0: We're going to listen to our first reading, it comes from Paul's letter to Titus and it's found in the Bibles that are in the seats in front of you. If you want to pull one out you can uh, read it for yourself, it's found on page 1199 of the Bibles that are in the chairs, so please do use them if you can, page 1199. Let's listen to the word of God and then we're going to sing together afterwards, good Christian friends, rejoice.
1: The reading is taken from Titus chapter two, verses 11 to 14. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope of the appearing of the glory of our great God and saviour Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify himself of people that are his very own eager to do what is good. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Let's remain standing because we're going to listen to our gospel reading from the gospel of Luke. And then after that we sing again. Let's listen to the gospel reading from uh, the gospel of Luke and it's found on page 1027.
1: The reading is taken from Luke chapter 2 verses 15 to 20. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off god for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told on the eighth day when it was time to circumcise the child he was named jesus the name the angel had given him before he was conceived this is the
0: word of the lord let's pray together Father, on this holy night, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Let's sit down, everyone. So it is really good that you've come. Thank you for being here. Thank you also if you're watching us uh, online somewhere. Uh, It's great that you're here as well. And uh, this is um, the second of three services that we're holding over the course of 24 hours. We have another one tomorrow morning for those who are really keen. We are doing a scratch nativity. You don't need to prepare. If you want to dress up, you can come dressed as a character. I'm not telling you who I'm coming as, but I will be coming in character, possibly an irrelevant character but nonetheless I will be in character so do come along to that Uh, you don't need to learn anything you don't need to prepare anything we're just going to do it from scratch Uh, tomorrow morning at half past 10 it'll be about 45 minutes Uh, the bird will be okay don't worry about it the bird will survive you being at church in the morning so do come if you can now, the singing that tonight has been fantastic. Someone is singing really, 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 really loudly. I can't work out who it might be, but it is absolutely fantastic that you're singing so well. On this side, you guys have got a lot of work to do to catch up with this side of the church tonight. Um, and maybe that's a reflection of the little bit of excitement that we feel when we get to this point in the Christmas story, because tomorrow is the big day when we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Of course, it wasn't on the 25th of December. We don't know what the date actually was. It was probably a very different date, and people have all sorts of theories about that. But the thing that we do is we celebrate the birth of a baby. Now, babies being born is a big thing. Some of us here uh, have experienced this. I've only experienced it uh, just as a secondhand, as it were. I've been present, but not actually had a baby myself. Uh, Because thankfully, it's not men that have to give birth. Um, But some of you have gone through that process. And the thing about a baby coming, whether you're the one that carries the baby and delivers the baby, or whether you happen to be just a spectator dad, the thing about the baby's arrival is it changes everything about your life. Nothing will ever be the same when a baby is born Life has changed forever. You have to get used to things like when meal times are, how much sleep you're going to get. Uh, even when they're a little bit older and they don't wake up in the middle of the night, they do things like wake up really early in the morning and come into your bedroom and bounce around and say, Aren't you getting up yet? Don't know if anyone's experienced that lately. What are you doing lying in your bed? Your world revolves around this little bundle of joy for those, well, let's say 18 years, but actually it's for the rest of your life. I, am, I celebrated a big birthday recently, and you know what? My mother still worries about me. She still is concerned for me. So it's a comfort, isn't it? If you're with your mom tonight, to know that your mom worries about you still, even to, uh, at whatever point in life you are. Now, if you think about this for a moment the thing that we don't consider terribly much I think is the coming of Jesus and the effect it had on Mary, we know that Mary loved her son to bits she loved him he was precious to her, but he must have worried she must have worried all the time about her dear son Jesus what he was doing where he was going, what he was saying we know that from the biblical witness It points the family of jesus were trying to maybe trying to hold him back a little bit because the things that he did and the things that he said and the things that he knew got him into trouble and so mary's relationship with her dear son must have been a really really interesting one and we know that jesus loved his mom as it is right for every son to love their mother but her life was changed forever And we remember her on this night because she gives birth to Jesus, the Son of God. She's sometimes called in some circles the Theotogos, the Mother of God. That's her fame, that she was willing to do that. But you know, the coming of Jesus changed everything for her and her family, but it changed everything in world history as well. That's why we gather tonight. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Maybe Christmas has become something of a pagan pagan memory, a, a sort of celebration of light in the midst of a dark northern winter. But the reason it is on this date is because Christians around the world will be gathering to celebrate the coming of the baby that changes absolutely everything. Paul writes to Titus, and he says this, the verse that was read for us by Liz, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. The baby comes to change everything to bring salvation to a people who may not even know that they need salvation. The grace of God has appeared. We maybe need to understand what the word grace is. Grace is the undeserved love that God has for human beings. In other words, the undeserved love that God has for me and for you. We don't deserve this love. We can't earn this love. By all rights, we should not have this love. But what, that's what grace is. Love that shouldn't be ours, but is. It's the kind of love that a mother has for a child. You know, when you have a baby... You might not believe in the thing called original sin because you have this little bundle of joy and it's all beautiful and you just, you just fill up with um, feelings of love and adoration. A friend of mine once said that he didn't believe in original sin. He never really believed in it until his wife had their first child and then he became persuaded of it because children don't learn to go their own way and do their own things and be naughty. Naughty. It's part of just the existence that we have that we are fallen and broken and we get things wrong. And yet, when your child does that, now, those of you who are mothers or fathers, uh, your children will have got things wrong. I'm looking over here because there's a family sitting over here. I don't know if that family has ever experienced your children ever doing wrong. Well, sorry to put you on the spot. (laughs) Dad says no, never. Mum says yes. And do you know something? There's something about when a mother loves her children. When her children get it wrong, mother still loves their child, even though they don't deserve it, even though they've got it completely and utterly wrong. I sometimes tell the story about my mother chasing me and my brother around the sofa in our home because we'd managed to break one of her precious ornaments. And uh, she was chasing us around. My memory of it is she, she was doing something that you probably get banged up in jail for now. Chasing us around with a slipper because she was going to give us a right good smack on the bottom for getting it wrong. But you know, and never for any minute, and my memory of it is as she was chasing us, we were laughing as she chased us around. But never for one mo- moment has that woman stopped loving me after all these years. That is the nature of loving grace of a mother. Of a parent. We don't might not deserve it, but God loves us. There's nothing we can do to make God love us less. There's nothing we can do to make God love us more. He loves us. And the sign of that love is the coming of Jesus. That is the grace of God appearing. We don't deserve this love. We can't earn it. By all rights we should not have this love. But that's what God shows to us in the coming of the baby. So when we think of the baby, Jesus coming, think not just of, oh, isn't that lovely? But think of what is God doing in the coming of this child, this child that changes everything. The child that we celebrate in Bethlehem's major wasn't unexpected or a surprise in any way. This baby came from the, uh, the first uh, sin in the Garden of Eden all the way through the prophets. God had told his people very explicitly what he was going to de- do and how exactly he was going to do it. God would send a champion, a saviour, to defeat sin and rescue us from the powers of t- uh, death and sin and hell. That champion would have to suffer and die to rescue us. Ultimately, that was the goal. That God had for us. And the world fails to see that. And we forget it. And even those of us who are followers of Jesus. We forget what God has done for us so easily. In the fourth century. The church was kind of beginning to find its feet. and Beginning to get a little bit established you know getting its place within society and the Roman government was kind of taking it under its wing and uh, when that happens perhaps when things begin to go wrong when you begin to go establishment and you, you begin to get recognition by the world around you and people start jockeying for position and control and maybe your teaching begins to go a bit off the rails and begin to get it wrong and so there was a huge debate going on about the nature of who Jesus is And what it meant that he'd come into the world. There was a huge kind of division that took place. Because someone called Arius was trying to teach that Jesus simply took on the appearance. He took on a human body. But wasn't necessarily in fact God from from the moment that he was created. In fact in, in human form. And so there was this huge battle going on. And it was important to get it right. To understand that Jesus is not merely a man who God somehow touched and made special, but that Jesus is wholly, fully God. This was important for the world to know. It was important for the church to believe and teach. And there was an amazing man called Athanasius, one of the heroes of the church. Have you heard of Athanasius? Athanasius. Some of you will have heard of him. He was a great leader of the church. He was exiled, put into exile because he taught Jesus was fully God and fully man. He was the one through whom all things were created. And he was chased. He was chased around the kind of Roman empires, a famous story that's told about Athanasius, when he was on the run and the Roman police were chasing him up the River Nile. And they were uh, tr- coming towards them in a boat. He was in on one boat, they were on the other. And they came towards him. And he, he, the, the, the Roman officers stopped and he said, uh, have you seen Athanasius? And Ath- Athanasius said, yes, he's not very far from here. And the Roman police just kept on going. <laughs> Good tactic to use if you're ever in that situation facing persecution. It's telling the truth. He's not very far from here. He's here. And the police went on. But he was an amazing man. He suffered a great deal of persecution, was put into exile. And he wrote copiously about the nature of the incarnation, the coming of Jesus. It was one of the big focuses uh, of his life, that he he wanted people to understand the importance of the coming of this baby. And I thought it would be good to read one of Athanasius' sermons tonight. Not something that we would do very often. It's short. It's not 45 minutes. But it's really powerful. So listen to this Athanasius on the Incarnation. It was for salvation that the incorporeal and incorruptible and immaterial Word of God entered our corporeal, corruptible, material world. Why did Jesus come? He came to bring salvation. Athanasius goes on, in one sense, he was not far from this world before, for no part of creation had ever been without him. The Bible tells us that creation was made through Jesus. God, the word, while ever abiding in union with the Father, yet fills all things that are. But now he entered the world in a new way, stooping to our level in his love, revealing himself to us. He saw the human race, those who shared logic with him, the logos, the word. He saw humanity, who like him expressed the Father's mind, and he saw that we were wasting out of existence and death reigning over us all in corruption. He saw that corruption held us all the closer because it was the penalty for our transgression. He saw too how unthinkable it would be for the law to be repealed before it was fulfilled. He saw how wrong it was that the very things of which he himself was the creator should be disappearing. He saw how the gross wickedness of humanity was mounting up against them. He saw also humanity's universal slip into death. All this he saw, and feeling for the human race, he was moved with compassion for our mess. He couldn't stand that death should be the winner. That his creatures should perish. And the work of his father for humanity end up in nothing. So he took himself a body. A human body just like our own. But he didn't just temporarily put on a body like a coat. Or just appear in a body. If that was all he was trying to do. He could have shown off his divine majesty in some other better way. No, he took our body. Not only so but he took it directly from a spotless, stainless virgin woman without the agency of a human father. He took on a special, pure body, untainted by normal human reproduction. The mighty creator of all prepared this body in the virgin as a temple for himself and took it for his very own as the instrument through which he was known and in which he lived." Thus taking a body like our own, because all our bodies were liable to the corruption of death, he surrendered his body to death as a substitute for us all and offered it to the Father. This he did out of sheer love for us, so that in his death all might die and the law of death thereby be abolished, Because if death fulfilled in his body, that for which it was appointed, it would no longer have any power over the rest of humanity. This he did so that he might turn humanity back to our incorruptible state, even though we had turned ourselves to corruption. He possessed a human body to make humanity alive through his death and by the grace of his resurrection. In this way, God the Word would make death to disappear from humanity as utterly as straw disappears in fire. A beautiful, beautiful picture of the significance of the incarnation. The baby comes to change everything to make peace between us and God. Paul goes on in Titus. He says, it trains us to reject ungodliness and worldly lusts and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope. That is the glorious appearance of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The baby will come again as the king. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people who are his own chosen people, eager to do good works the baby changes everything. We are in this most beautiful and amazing place where because of the coming of the baby, we are able to know God. We are able to receive the forgiveness of sins. We are able to begin life afresh, walking with God. And so this Christmas, He makes that invitation to us again and again in his grace and in his love and in his mercy to trust in him and to follow him afresh. Boy, do we know the need for that right now. We look around the world, we watch the news headlines and we do not know what the next year will bring, but we know this. Jesus came, the baby came to bring peace between God and man and to turn us from the track of sin and death and to bring life. Jesus himself said, I have come that they may have life, and life in all its fullness. May we, each of us who are here tonight, both here in the church and also watching at home, may we know that life as we turn to Christ tonight and turn away from sin. Let us pray. So, Father, we thank you for this special night when we remember the baby who changes everything. May we know afresh that change in our own lives. For many, this time of year is a difficult time, a painful time. Things have gone wrong. We've made mistakes. We struggle because we don't see the loved ones that we would love to see we struggle because we look at what is happening around the world, the violence and the pain and the suffering and the loss of life. And we're troubled that such things should happen. And yet, this story begins with the coming of a baby, a baby who is vulnerable, who needs help and the support of his mother and his family, of his father as he grew up. And we're reminded that this baby came into the world who is God to change hearts, to change minds and to enable human beings to walk day by day in the glorious freedom that you call us to. So each of us tonight, you make that invitation to put our trust in you afresh, to turn from sin and to turn to you. Help us, Lord, to do that, And help us, Lord, to know your loving presence through the dark days of this winter night. We remember those who are in trouble, those who are struggling, those who are in hospital. We name people in our hearts who need our prayers for healing and recovery tonight. We remember Bob. We pray for Mary. We pray for the nations of the world broken by selfishness and war for Ukraine and Russia for Israel and Palestine for Sudan for Yemen for Burma and we pray for peace. We pray for all those for whom this is a difficult time of year a painful time Make us mindful and caring for those for whom it is not an easy time. And may they know your peace and your comfort. And above all, we come to you and we acknowledge our need for you this Christmas Eve. Come, Holy Spirit, and meet with us all as we gather to remember the coming of the baby who changes everything. And all this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.